E-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. All right. How do we do? Election 2020. It's in the books. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. I'm recording this. It's uh, 5.30 on Tuesday, election night, November 3rd, 2020. I don't know the the outcome yet, so hopefully we know by the time this airs 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Uh, If not, well, strap in, folks. It's only going to get more interesting. But in the meantime, of course, you're here on The Brian Nichols Show to listen to some amazing content. Now, this conversation was obviously recorded prior to uh, finding out who uh, won uh, this evening's election as I'm recording this intro. And honestly, it's someone who really needs no introduction. Pete Quinonez from the Libertarian Institute and Free Man Beyond the Wall. And he's joining us today here on The Brian Nichols Show to discuss his new uh, documentary that he co-produced, and it is The Monopoly on Violence, a great conversation discussing that, but also discussing a little bit of the the lockdowns and uh, kind of where um, there is this, this schism and, and more looking at the lockdowns from a left-right uh, perspective. Uh, Pete breaks down his perspective there. Uh, and guys, it's, it's a fantastic conversation. So as always, please do me a favor, share with family and friends. But with that being said, on to the show, Pete Quinonez here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Peter, I have been following you for, I think, four years now. And I think what originally got me uh, hooked was the memes, uh, which, I mean, memes, I think, you know, my day job's in sales, and part of what you do in sales is to take a a very sometimes difficult to understand message or product or service, condense it into something that's easy to understand, and smack it with the the, the person in the, in the, the, the customer, make it easy for them to understand, let them take that message away, and that's what memes are. Memes are perfect for that, and you were the king of memes, and that's where I originally uh, followed you, and then I started do digging into your your work, and I was like, oh, there's more than just memes. And, and obviously with that, Free Man Beyond the Wall, a phenomenal podcast, and you just had uh, my my good friend Gary Collins in the show, um, and good friends of the show, Friends uh, friends Against Government, Bird, Carr, Aaron, so you know, definitely a, a great podcast, and you're doing all the great work over at Free Man Beyond the Wall, but also at the Libertarian Institute. So 
I think it'd be great just because I haven't had you in the show yet, and I would love for my audience to get to know who you are. So kind of your your very quick spark notes pathway to libertarianism, if you will, but also more uh, as you've gotten into your professional career, focusing on, yes, promoting that from a liberty standpoint in a more educational sense. Yeah, it was the same old boring thing. 2007 Ron Paul debate with Rudy Giuliani sparked sparked my interest, um, straightened out my mind. My mind was all over the place. I had no idea what was going on in the world and listening to Ron talk um, and then investigating further beyond that it put me on a path. And you know, for a bunch of years, I just after that, I just worried about myself and worked on quote unquote self-improvement and you know just went down a few paths and then right around 2016 2015 i just decided hit social media throw some memes out there really um i had only been on facebook up until that point i had a twitter account and so i started going on twitter and i started posting things and uh after i got bored with the memes after a while i mean i still post some but it's not nearly in Mm -hmm. i mean i just it's not I can't concentrate on it so much anymore because I'm so busy at this point. Uh, I decided I wanted to do a podcast. And so I started a podcast and you know, it, it grew pretty. I, I had, you know, hey, it was like the first couple episodes. I had like 40 people listen. And to me, you know, that was pretty wild. Yeah. And so just progressed with that. And thanks to things like, um, you know, writing and Tom Woods asking me to come on the show and talk and being on Dave Smith's show, uh, Lions of Liberty. It helped my podcast to grow. And then I was approached by a couple ANCAPs in the Atlanta area about they had an idea for doing a documentary on anarchism, history of anarchism, what anarchism would look like today, and to interview all of the you know, the great minds that we have today about it. And I was like, you know, as long as I don't have to devote an insane amount of time to it, I'm, you know, I'm good with this. And they're like, well, we want you to contact people, set up interviews, you know, we'll set up the interviews and everything. And I ended up writing a bunch of questions and um, actually wrote like, um, wrote the dialogue, the um, the narration for the, for the documentary just to do it. And we didn't use most of it, which was fine. It, it, it was able to bring us down the path, be like a guy, be a guide for what we wanted to do. And then once the documentary was finally edited and I got to see the finished product, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. And my podcast is really number one to me. Um, the documentary i do make money off the podcast through patreon and gonna start doing some advertising too but the documentary is not making us anything (laughs) just you don't make any money off a document off a documentaries um unless you sell them to people and then the problem with selling them to people is they can shelve them if they want right so then they they own them so um you know the documentary is a labor of love and we we've already had a a huge conference call to plan out the next documentary. Uh, so that's going to be a big part going forward in my career is working on documentaries, you know, in some cases, probably just producing them, not even really 
being a writer or interviewer or anything on that and keep the podcast going. So, yeah, I mean, I work at the Liber- I'm the managing editor at the Libertarian Institute with everything going on with the podcast and with the documentaries, I don't get a chance to write as much as I used to. So, you know, there's, I don't have a lot of written work up on the Libertarian Institute, but my episodes are up there and, um, you know, I try to do as much as I can to make sure that that project is also, uh, off the ground. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely appreciate the, the educational approach and and documentaries. I, I love because they're, a medium that's easy for your average person to sit down, digest, and kind of walk away with an understanding, maybe at the very you know base level, at the very least. But then it opens the door for them to really dig deep, get into the fundamentals, and and I think really opens the door for us more as you know the the, the greater libertarian movement to then welcome people in and kind of be the the educators and, and guide them down the pathways. I mean, it was funny. I, I ended up I gave. Um, it was Thomas Massey's uh, off the grid documentary with Matt Kibbe over at Free the People. I have some lefty friends who, you know, they're they're all about climate change, and and I I sent that to them, and they had no idea that Congressman Massey was a a Republican, and it that right there kind of speaks to if we can just get past some of these you know these labels that we see toss about in in the major you know political conversations and actually go towards people individually talking about what actually matters to them. I find personally in my own experience, I end up having some more success. And, and then to your point with the documentary, Monopoly on Violence, I mean, that speaks to some some instantly, you know, emotional tied reactions of people. Monopolies, they instantly hear that, they have a negative connotation. Violence, violence is bad. So what's this Monopoly on Violence? And I think that's a great approach to actually get people to ask some questions. So with that being said, kind of let's walk through what has been the experience and the reaction in, in your going out, Peter, with you know talking to people and they're watching the Monopoly on Violence? Is it opening their eyes versus you know what they thought maybe was the, the mainstream narrative that they thought was truth going forward? Unfortunately, most of the feedback I have at this time would be people who would probably already be inclined to like it. Mm. So, you know, you're basically preaching to the choir. Um, I've heard from people who shared it with like um, left libertarian friends. They liked it. Um, I've heard some people shared it with, you know, their normie friends or family and they thought it was really well done and everything. So you know, it's just a matter of it's on YouTube right now. We've had it uploaded to Amazon for approval for, I mean, it's got to be going on 90 days and normally they, they approve. Normally, they approve stuff in four or five days. So, I mean, they haven't rejected it, but they haven't approved it. So it's just sitting there. It's in limbo. And getting it on Amazon will be a big deal. I mean, I know people who are like, I just haven't watched it yet because I don't want to watch it on YouTube. So, you know, getting it up there and getting it, um, getting a buzz, get you know, seeing how many you know clicks we get on it. Then we can talk about getting it put on other platforms or um, you know, possibly getting some kind of entertainment lawyer to get it on Netflix or something like that. But at this point, just getting it on Amazon is really tough. And uh, I said, with all the riots and everything that were happening, if this was a a documentary about violent anarchism, I think it would have probably been okayed like the second day. Yeah, well, and I was going to say, you launched it right when the, the precipice of this entire rioting, looting was hitting. 
And, you know, not even talking about the peaceful, peaceful protests. I mean, th- this was when it was like we were getting to the like the, the, the negative parts of, of this, you know, the, the, the parts that were being told by CNN were not taking place as they're standing with Chiron saying mostly peaceful protests with fires in the background. And it's like, well, no, no, maybe not necessarily peaceful protests. Uh, but to your point, this idea, the monopoly on violence, it does speak to and you were mentioning some of your like the lefty libertarians out there, because this is the language that. A lot of folks more with left-leaning sympathies, I think, have been taught to speak. So part of the, I think, the challenge for libertarians has been able to take the libertarian speak and be able to convert it almost to, it's like speaking a different language almost, and have to have that translator to then speak to, okay, listen, we're, we want the same outcomes. I'd say in, in many instances, now there are definitely some that I would say they do not want the same outcomes at all. Um, but let's talk about, you know, trying to get criminal justice reform passed. Let, let's make that a primary issue or, you know, ending the war on drugs. And we can set those as concrete objective goals. And then we can talk, you know, to, you know, the monopoly and violence and speaking to the actual causes of the problems. I think that's where you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, especially because, a lot of the the folks I see on the left, they approach it more from a reactionary, emotional, you know, well, this is what I think we should do versus let's actually identify the cause and the roots of the problem. Is that kind of the approach you took there with the uh, the documentary? Oh, well, really, the documentary was just ba- <laughs> we were presenting problems and giving solutions and the solutions were going to be all free market. You know, um, the next documentary we do is not going to be directed at libertarians. It's going to be for a mainstream market. So uh, when we look at solutions, we may include a libertarian free market solution, but there's going to be most, most of it's going to be solutions within the system. And, you know, this is really just to wake people up. It's just to try to get people to realize how bad it is, you know, how, how, you know, we're going to talk about monopolies again and how if a if, if you're relying on a monopoly for a service and that and that service is also government um government provided and it's also the, the supreme court has also said that these people have no duty to protect you then you're screwed you know, you're really screwed unless you're willing to take your safety into your own hands or you're willing to hire um, private companies to do it. You know, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's just trying to get a message out there. And, you know, we're going to go for a couple big names in this one and we're going to try and get a really big name to be the narrator. So, um, yeah, we're going to we're going to go hard with this one. But, yeah, uh, unlike this documentary, unlike the monopoly on violence, it's not going to be all about liberty and pr- private property solutions. It's going to be a real exposition of the system. And, you know, the way I look at it is monopoly on violence is fantasy land. It's the fantasy land that we want to see. Well, what we have now is what we're going to talk about now is a very real and imminent threat and it's something that's in the headlines so you know, we need to not just talk about how it would look like in fantasy land we have to have 
tangible solutions now where people aren't just aren't going to take us seriously. Yeah, well, that's been the biggest challenge, I think, for a lot of just libertarians in general, is that we've often been, you know, very easy, uh, in our approach to identify a lot of problems, it seems like. But then actually, to your point, offering solutions. And I think that's where a lot of people in the greater, just, you know, the, the, the political, you know, movers and shakers of the world, they don't take, unfortunately, a lot of libertarians seriously because they say, okay, you're great at complaining, but like, where's your solutions? And to your point, now we're actually offering some solutions and laying out tangible, you know, roadmaps almost to saying like, this is how we accomplish this. Um, but then to your point, right? It's actually getting the message out there. And I guess, you know, part of what I've been trying to do here in my show is trying to, to bring, you know, the, the best minds together I can possibly bring from the lib- greater libertarian movement. And I mean, I've had, you know, the, the folks who are small L libertarians who are part of the, the Republican Party. I've had big L libertarians. I mean, I've had the heck, the, the head of the libertarian party and Joe Bishop Benjamin on my show. I've had Joe Jorgensen on my show a couple of weeks ago. And then I had Mayor Glenn Jacobs from Knox County on my show, you know, before that with the, the R next to his name. So like, I'm all about just getting liberty moving forward. And part of what I think the best means of doing that is actually talking to people to the issues that are mattering most to them. And I'm, I'm hearing right now lockdowns, economy, like that's number one, number two. How can we take that, those two issues, I guess, and give them a proper, not only a libertarian critique, but then offering real life libertarian solutions that are tangible, but also, you know, easy for them to, to conceptualize and see it actually accomplished in real life. I don't know how you do that at this point. Um, <laughs> it's tough. I know. <laughs> pe- well, people are completely irrational. Um, the people who are for the lockdowns, um, they've become um, <laughs> witches. They they they're looking for magic. They're th- you present them with facts. They don't care about it. Um, it's it it's like the Salem witch trials. Everyone everyone's a potential witch. Everyone's a potential carrier. Um, you know, I just I, I don't know at this point other than like radical decentralization and serious. You know, if you want to talk about political solutions, I mean, secession movements, um, you know, flat out. No, we're not gonna, se- sections of the country going. No, we're not going to do that. That's the only thing right now, because these people cannot be, you can't talk to them. Here, look at this. Look at this study from Harvard and, you know, and Cambridge and what they say. It contradicts what what you're seeing on TV. Well, that's wrong. Yeah. And they don't it's it's basically it's going to get to the point where I mean, and I hate to say this, where it's going to be like, okay, how do we solve this covid problem? And somebody's going to be like, well, we're going to burn stage. And we're going to burn sage up at the front of the room. And when we finish burning the sage, all the COVID will be gone. And someone like you is going to be in the back of the room going, you know, this is, you know, this isn't going to, and, and other people are going to be like, shut, shut up, yep. shut up. Let them do it. Yeah. Let them do it. If this is Trust what it him. takes for these Trust people. Trust him. Yeah. If, if this is what it takes for these people to stop believing in that there's this, in this quote unquote invisible enemy, which, which I was saying before the president even said it, I was saying that back in the beginning of March, um, it's it's going to take magic at this point. Yeah. It's going to take you know, you know horrible bands like Five Finger Death Punch doing videos that people look at and go, huh? Hmm, they're making fun of them. It's almost like they're court jesters. Huh? Yeah. I mean, we're actually going back to we're at this point in time. We're at medieval medicine. We're basically it's like well, I mean, the witch doctor said that this isn't going to work. 
How do you talk to these people? You don't. I mean, you, and, you know, you, we used to say, you know, I remember I was talking to Tom Woods on my show and I was saying, you know, four or five years ago, you talked about the left and you'd be like, well, I mean, really, the only thing you can do is ridicule them. You can't even ridicule them anymore. They don't care. It yeah. doesn't matter. You know, they didn't care back then, but I mean, it, they were more receptive to it. Now it's just ridicule goes in one ear and out the other. They don't care. This this is magic. There's there there's this force out there that wants to kill us. President Trump is cheering that force on. Dr. Fauci is fighting him. He is the superhero. He is he want, he is the Nazi hunter who wants to slay this Nazi. I mean, that is that is the level of discourse we're at right now. So to me, like when those people come after me, I'm like, go F yourself. Um, if you don't like it, I don't care. I'm not going to be polite to you because you people are out of your minds. You're like looking for magic. So why would I want to have anything to do with you? I, I, yep. I don't I don't see any solutions at this point other than coming up with you know, maybe memetics, you know, maybe, you know, really artists, certain artists having to create art to try to break these people out of their spell but they're spellbound at this point i mean i don't think and i thought it was politics at the beginning and it's still politics for some of them but it really is at this point like they've been taken over by some kind of supernatural force and i don't know where there's only certain ways that you could you know magic can only defeat magic so it's like what do you do you know (laughs) what do you do at this point yeah no i I, talk it I'm talking about magic. Yeah, you have to. Because I mean, I have a friend who literally, like, she said, and I quote, "I know that what I'm watching on CNN is is like it's completely either hyperbolized or it's it's you know, in some cases made up. But I watch it because it makes me angry. And I was like, do you hear yourself? Like, and 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 they, she kind of acknowledges it, and and it's like, wow, like that really speaks to this mentality. It's like it doesn't matter what like objective reality or truth is it's it's really like whatever it is you've personified as your your own reality and and i'm i'm okay with that to an extent but like when you start to hurt other people you're i mean you're quite literally putting millions of people on a lockdowns indefinitely and like there's real life ramifications i had jeffrey tucker from air on my show and actually it was home to the great barrington declaration and like him to go through it was it probably was the most fiery episode I've had in a while, and just Jeffrey going through point by point, you know, citing you're talking Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, all these, you know, it's, uh, it was Gupta and I forget the rest of the names, but going through these, these experts, we were told trust the experts. It's like okay, here, here are some experts. Do you trust them? No. Why? Because they don't fit your narrative. Because they're not, the, you know, they're not the, the sorcerers with the magic wand that you're looking for. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, I am very nervous and also. I don't get the appeal, and this is where I've definitely had some some schisms with some more, you know, I don't say left-leaning libertarians is not the argument, I would say, but there's definitely some libertarians who are more empathetic to folks who are more willing to take your your freedoms and your rights away in a heartbeat. They would not, they, they would not even think twice, and, and I, I'm like, why are we trying to waste our time? Know your market. Like, why are we trying to convert somebody who their entire worldview is that of not, I mean, collectivism is one thing, but then actually taking that collective mindset and then to, to force that collective will on everybody else, that's where the, the problem starts. And like, I'm sorry, a lot of our friends to the right, I think they're more empathetic to a more pro-liberty freedom 
message. And I, I'm, I, don't, I think it's an objective reality. I, like, I don't know why we're pretending that's not real. Yeah, I mean, I live in Georgia. I'm I would much rather be living in Georgia right now than I would in New York or Illinois. Or I'm in Philly. California. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's it, the left is out of its mind. I mean, the right is dangerous as hell. They still won't speak out against the wars. They still I mean, they're, they become anti free traders. They've become anti free speech. I mean, both sides are anti free speech now. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. But I mean, the left is absolutely insane. I mean, you, you, you just have to go through some of the cultural issues, you know, the um, you know, if your four year old says they if your four year old boy says they want to be a girl, you start you start pumping chemicals into their body. And then if you speak out against that, you like get canceled you know, and you, you lose your job. And it's like, how, wait a minute, hold on. I was four years old once. I didn't know what the hell was going on in the world. I don't think you're, I don't think your child is more woke than I was when I was at four. You know, I, I, the left is absolutely insane. I mean, Joe Biden the other night at that, in that debate, I mean, he was bringing up conspiracy theories, debunked conspiracy theories like, oh, Russia was paying bounties to kill, uh, kill soldiers in Afghanistan. I'm like, Jason Ditz debunked that months ago on antiwar.com. I mean, clearly. And, and you know, these they're nuts. And, you know, and the right's not much better. But the right, at least, I mean, I know. At least the right talks a good game. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, at least at least you might get some lip service to liberty. The left doesn't care about liberty anymore. They just want they want to subjugate you. I mean, they really want to enslave you. I mean, look at you know. I mean, I, I'm I'm sick to death of libertarianism at this point, um, especially when they don't investigate that these companies aren't private anymore. They haven't investigated like public-private partnerships, which were planned out since, like, the te- when Technocracy Inc. was in, in 1930. And then when, in 1970, in the 1970s, when the Trilateral Commission comes together, immediately they start talking about, we need public-private partnerships. We need to get private companies to do the job of the government. That way, the libertarians will just go, that's a private company, bro. You, you can't say anything against them. You just want government, you just want government to step in. It's like, well, no, there's more than one choice. How about pitchforks and torches at this point? I mean, yeah. How about going to Google and taking an ax to their to their system? I mean, to their servers. I mean, oh, I, that sounds good to me. If they want to act like the government, if they want to collude with the Chinese so that Chinese citizens can't find out about Tiananmen Square yeah, in their on. search engine, <laughs> these people are scum and they want you dead. That's what these people don't understand is these leftists, they want you dead. They want you dead and they want your children raped. I mean, Sam Hyde said that. And I know Sam Hyde is a you know bad person to quote because you know he's he, his dialogue goes off the deep end. But I mean, the devil can speak truth, and they want you dead and they want your children raped. The left is absolutely insane. And if I mean, it, look at look at the look at since the the last day, day in May, these people burning cities down. These aren't people on the right. I heard recently some I can't remember what the guy's name was, but he was saying that how dangerous 
like white supremacy groups, militias, and like the Proud Boys are to the coming election integrity. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? Where are you pulling this from? And so I, I, I watch this stuff every day. I read this stuff every day. I've never, what, what are you talking about? I mean, election integrity? How can you ever have election integrity if it's done in, pri- in, in private? We have a private vote in this country. Who, what does Stalin say? It doesn't matter who votes. It's who counts the votes. And they're all done in private. And then people are like, oh, well, there'd be, you know, if, if, if you'd have people, um, you'd, you'd have people, um, what do they say, harassing you or, you know, they could, if they found out you voted the wrong way, I'm like, okay, then that might be the greatest reason to stop voting ever. You know, it's like if, 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 if voting is that, that important to a small minority that's going to harass you for it, maybe that minority has a super interest in how you vote. Well, don't, but don't ask these questions. Don't, don't don't ask these questions. You know, you sound like a lunatic. You sound like a conspiracy theorist. And then you go read Edward Bernays' propaganda or Lippmann public opinion, and you're like, oh, so this is how they've been doing it all along. Yeah, and, Saul Alinsky, rules for it, radicals. My goodness. That, like, like 101. Or in, or in 1967, the CIA putting out a memo saying, we have to start calling people conspiracy theorists and and accuse them of having conspiracy um of promoting conspiracy theories because all these books came out about um, the Warren commission and the Kennedy and, and investigating the Kennedy assassination. And they were selling like crazy. I mean, this is, we, we live in an, in, we live in an information age. Well, who controls the information? I and mean, Jesus, man. And then, and seriously, public private partnerships. If people do not go and read and investigate what that is. That is the government and groups like the Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, Chatham, Chatham, uh, Chatham House, saying, "Yeah, we we can't get away. Governments can't get away with doing the things we need to do. So we'll get private companies to do it. We'll get Google. We'll 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 finance the begin the start of Facebook, and we'll finance Google, and then we'll have back." doors into everybody's we'll get, we're going to get everybody to give all their most personal information to a public platform that we control but no this is all because dude this isn't happening it's a private company bro i see them traded on the stock market it's a private company bro what do you want the government to come in no maybe maybe maybe, maybe we just start taking some things into our own hands i, I don't know just a suggestion well, we're starting to see, and I'm going to say, you know, here, I'll give you a little pushback. I know I'm going to hear it instantly. It's saying, well, look, let's look at Trump. Trump is a threat to democracy. He is going to be turning America into a fascistic regime uh, if he wins re-election. Um, and also, I, I, I think that there, you're going to see a lot of people who look at his, like, familial relationship as, like, an ultimate, like, look, at he's just trying to set up, you know, this this kind of, almost like a monarch, a monarch in a way, like, uh, passing down this, this dynasty almost, like, and I hate the people who make the connection to him and, like, the Kim family. It's like, no, that's not... If, if you're trying to say that we're, like, a, the North Koreans, like, good God, like, you need to get out of your, your bubble, like, and talk to real-life people. But, like... You don't know anything about North Korea. Oh, that, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it is... There are so many people, and this is one thing, actually, I was talking to another really close friend about, because they have a... a you know, one of their their friends, and he pretty much lives in this online bubble. And the bubble is can entirely 
his leftist you know friends and it's fine like that if you want that to be your bubble be your bubble but no it's not the bubble there are people out there like and if your entire worldview is confined through just the lens that you're you're in it is your computer screen at this point then of course you're you're not going to be able to see like what you know talk to your neighbors go actually engage with people in in your real life you know when when you're stuck inside all day and this kind of goes back to the lockdowns and how i think think they've been so just destructive and honestly they've gotten to the point they i would say they are almost like inhuman because you are making people have to to stay inside it's mind-numbing and you're getting rid of that real life connection that humans absolutely need we need to be able to to see people smile i mean i was just out at the store and walking around the store and just when you make eye contact with somebody and it's just uncomfortable because you can't go smile and and show like hi i'm friendly you can't do that and it, it creates this weird not distrust but just uncomfortableness but it shouldn't be there and it doesn't have to be there but we're forced to live this way right now because we've been told trust the scientists trust the experts and and it seems that <laughs> there's a lot of people who they they are yielding this i think it's actually michael mouse who who said uh, i think he said we we've seen um i'm paraphrasing terribly but we've seen this appeal from leftists to take the um, the the robes uh, the clergy and swap them for the the white robes of doctors and scientists it's, it's something along those lines but that's a thousand percent true because if I dare go I, <laughs> I had uh, economist Dan Mitchell on my show back in April and it was an entire episode about the the upcoming threat of the lockdowns and pandemic from a unintended consequences standpoint i got lambasted online brian you want people to die you just want to get people to take a haircut you know, you don't want you want people you know in in nursing homes to, to you know completely be overrun with with covid i'm like no that's not the case at all we're trying to look at this from an objective you know objective reality like there are real life consequences from shutting down economies and we were told that we just didn't care about people we wanted people to die and now fast forward what eight months and it's like oh yeah by the way lockdowns um are now being embraced by the who as a bad policy uh because they they end up having long-term unintended consequences who could have guessed Ten thousand children now dying in poverty every single month because of these lockdowns because of food chains being disrupted like there is a real life (laughs) implications of these actions it's not just because you can sit home and watch netflix all day and binge your favorite show while you eat bonbons like no there are people who like they're struggling to put food in the table that's real. Like, and we have to be able to reach those people. And I'm hoping, obviously, Peter, I didn't mean to, to monopolize that last part of the conversation, but I'm hoping that there are more people who are going to be waking up to saying like, no, this enough is enough. So I guess when we're looking at the the average person right now and we're trying to, to relate to them, I guess, you know, if they're not in this mindset that it has to be, you know, this top down solution, we have to be voting away our rights and they're actually open to, hey, Talk to me. You know, tell me about this libertarian perspective you you've been talking about online. Tell me about this free market you know solution that you keep on harping about. What's our our elevator pitch? How do we get them to walk into our world and and actually you know start playing some seeds of a long lasting liberty? I just ask people what's more important to them than their family. I mean, you just have to start appealing to emotion. Unfortunately, you know, I want to appeal to intellect. I'm that's what I'm all about. I mean, I can get emotional, too. I mean, but I use it. uh, I really love people who listen to my podcast and realize that when I do get emotional, that I'm doing it for effect, that it's not like I mean, I can get emotional really quick and then snap out of it really quick because 
sometimes it just has to be done. But I would just start appealing to emotion. Be like, is your family any better off right now than they were 10 months ago? How many people do you know who've died from this? Just start asking questions like that when you're one-on-one with people. I mean, especially if you're one-on-one with people. It's the best way. I mean, social media is a toilet. It's a sewer. I mean, it's just the the anonymity affords people to turn in to become characters of the caricatures of themselves. So um, just appeal to emotion, especially if you're talking to a woman, talk, if she has kids, talk about kids, talk about their safety, talk about what's happening to them. Talk about, you know, I thought socialization was really important. You know, if, you know, someone who wants to send them back to school or something, I mean, I don't want kids to be sent into government school, even private schools at this point, um, just because they're really terrible but you know still is if that's what it takes to end this insanity i mean this is (laughs) and i do want to go back to something you were talking about trump and fascism and everything like that because oh yeah please that's a terrible argument um it's just a horrible argument i mean you're telling me that there aren't people in place that would put a bullet in his head i mean come on this government is when i was talking to aaron from friends against government podcast one of the things we talked about was in the Russian Revolution, at least you knew who you needed to take care of. I mean, you're in Petrograd. You know where Tsar Nicholas is. You know where the family is. If you can basically wrestle control away from them and get get a hold of all their apparatchiks and you can take over the government. And that's exactly what Kerensky did. And but this government is like it's so decentralized. I mean, what if somebody did? OK, so. All right. So some, say somebody and I don't want this to happen, feds. OK, say somebody did take out Trump, like say somebody got to him. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you know if, if the, the as much as this country, as much as the people in this country who owned guns hated Obama, if nothing happened to Obama, nothing's going to happen to Trump. But I mean, there, there are safeguards in place, but still it's so decent. In Russia, you knew where to hit, so much so that 90% of the country didn't even know it was happening. In this country, it's like, where do you hit? What do you do? You, what do you, it's decentralized. There's power everywhere. I mean, the ATF is in, I think the ATF is in West Virginia. So, okay, so the ATF is in West Virginia, and um, I forget where the DEA, I mean, all these things are all spread out. I mean, it's just, so you take one out, what happens? It's just, you it's impossible. So the fact that, you know, and now I'm going to go back to being my constitutional education, the fact that we have a federalist system still, and, you know, I'm somebody who would have loved for the country to stay under the Articles of Confederation. But the one good thing we have about federalism is that, say, Trump did become a a dictator. California is going to leave. Illinois is going to leave. You're going to have all, I mean, it would start, I mean, and I don't want to be an accelerate, sound like an accelerationist, but it really would start what thing, the things that someone like myself would want to see, you know, eventually like, you know, when Hoppe talks about 10,000 Liechtensteins, where you have all these city states and everything, and they, they trade with each other, but they're also autonomous. And, you know, there's, you know, is more choice and things that would real anarchy. I mean, I don't, I, I call myself an anarchist, but I don't believe anarchy will happen in my lifetime, the lifetime of my nieces, the lifetime of their kids. And it's just not going to happen. The, 
you're going to need a fundamental shift in human evolution in order for for um, for that to, to happen. And, you know, that's going to take that may take an age. It may take an epoch. Um, but the more like Brian McMakin says, the more choice you have, the more free you are. And that's what we need to see. We need to see something maybe something really bad has to happen like a, a trump becoming a dictator but if he did become a dictator how would we know it i mean the C- cnn acts like he's a dictator now i mean but the, you know it's like michael malice pointed out the guy had a chance to invade all these cities and roll the tanks in and he didn't do it he didn't do he it actually was a good federalist he said if you want help i'll end it in five minutes but he said, until you ask, I'm not going to do it. Now, you can make the argument that if he gets a second term and he's a lame, you know, you're a lame duck president, that then you just can be insane and do all sorts of crazy things. You know, but maybe he'll finally get rid of the NFA. Who the hell knows? I don't know. You know? But um, I, I mean, I just don't. I That is just hyperbole to me. I mean, when people start talking like that, I mean, the the more important thing to do is to really talk to people about how talk to people. I like to talk to people about agorism, starting side hustles, gray market stuff, even black market stuff. I like to talk to people about decentralization. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to answer to these idiots in the 202 area code? Um, And maybe, maybe a second Trump term would help start that with, you know, I think that, People say the secession would never happen. My good friend, Sally Agorist, I mean, we, we disagree on this. I mean, he thinks the secession will never happen. I think it's going to have to be started by the left in order for it to happen. I think Trump getting reelected and then some leftist states being like, screw this. You know, we are going to, I think it could happen then. I don't think he would send the tanks in. I don't think that gen- the genocide of South, Car- invoking the genocide of South Carolina is not, you know, is not applicable to, to today. But I mean, I really honestly think that there's the only way at this point is radical decentralization um, combined with agorism, starting firms outside of the system, um, providing a service outside of the system, just like they did in the Soviet Union. And I mean, the, I think in <laughs> a good, a good start would be the first, when I became first became a, a libertarian, what was the first thing I thought of? Because I was so smart. Why doesn't 30 million people just stop paying taxes? <laughs> if 30 million people stopped paying taxes, what would happen? Well, abs- actually nothing. The government would still go on because they just switch. They put into MMT, high, you know, high gear MMT. Um, yep. But at least that would mean that you would be able to keep what you have and you'd be able to, build more and you'd be able to acquire more real wealth you know maybe take that 30 percent that's being stolen from you and turn it into bitcoin or turn it into gold or turn it into land or turn it into something and i just really honestly think that that's the only way right now and notice nowhere in this did i mention voting not even at the local level i disagree with hoppa on that so i mean you know, I mean, I, I used to agree with him on it. I disagree with him on it. I just think that, you know, even voting on the local level, if you, oh, okay, we're going to have our property tax reduced by 5%. Oh, the next election, somebody can get in there who just puts it right back or even raises it. I mean, it's just, 
incrementalism really isn't working. It just seems like we're going to need something, a real punch in the face. And people are like, okay, we need to, you know, it's like, look at South Dakota. I mean, South Dakota is, has basically told the whole cathedral to go screw themselves. We're going to do what we want. We're going to handle it the way we want. I mean, and she's, while everybody's praising her, I like to remind she's a horrible drug warrior. So um, let's remember that. But um, at least she's, at least the economy in South Dakota is better than the economy here in friggin' Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, oh my God, Peter, there's so much we can really go into. Um, And unfortunately, we're coming up hard on time. So what I want to do is give you the, the, the chance, because obviously there's so much that folks, they, 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 there's content, I mean, galore. This is like the tip of the massive ice server that you've been working on behind the scenes. Not only the Libertarian Institute, antiwar.com, and also your podcast, Free Man Beyond the Wall. So where can folks go ahead and follow those great uh, organizations you're, you're working for and also follow you so they can stay up to date with all that's happening in, uh, in your uh, world and spheres of influence? Sure. Um, free, if you just go into type any search engine free man beyond the wall, it's going to it's going to be all me. Um, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I mean, all of it. I think SoundCloud has it. I don't remember. Uh, but um, all the podcatchers are going to have it. Um, the monopoly on violence dot com. You can go there. You can um, download the, the documentary for free. You can get a that's a 720 version of it. We have a 4K version for 10 bucks. The link to it on YouTube is there. Um, You can enjoy that. If you want to call up Amazon and scream at them saying you want to see uh, the Monopoly on Violence on on that platform, you can do that for me, too. That would be awesome. Um, Libertarian Institute, you 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 can you'll see my name in the masthead there if you want to check out what we're doing there, which is awesome because it's run by Scott Horton and um Scott Horton, myself, and I have to put Sheldon Richmond ahead of my, ahead of me because Sheldon Richmond is like one of the greatest libertarians of all time, um, and Kyle Anzalone, who does insanely good work and is really keeping not only Libertarian Institute going and antiwar.com right now. Um, and then if you want to follow me right now, when you're you know, if this comes out in the next couple of days, Twitter is really the only place that you can find me. It's uh, Peter R. Quinones at Peter R. Quinones. You can also find me on Facebook. But, um, yeah, I have been suspended from Facebook for past infractions. It wasn't like I did something it, like and they said, OK, you have to be suspended. It was like, no, we're going to suspend you for past infractions until October 31st. So we'll see on October 31st um, or November 1st whether I'm back on or not and uh, whether they nuked me. I mean, they nuked Julie Borowski's account the other day Wild. and she had to like, she had to contact them. I mean, Julie Borowski, I mean, she's, there's no way she's 10% as incendiary as I am. I had her and on my show to talk and, about her book. Nobody knows how to make a pizza. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's just crazy what's going on right now. And um, I have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash man's Raider. I have a subscribe star. You can look up free man beyond the wall. Um, I have a PayPal paypal.me forward slash mansurator if you want to donate and um yeah that's it i really appreciate it man this was a it's a good talk let me uh i haven't really talked about um solutions that within the system or how you know decentralization stuff like that lately so um gave me a chance to get some thoughts that i had brewing lately off my chest for sure pete canonias thank you for joining the brian nichols show Thanks, Brian. A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat 
Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on The Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend Mikkel Thorup from The Expat Money Show. What an episode. To learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there, or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit. Because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikkel Thorup, originally started as a podcast, but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Peter Quinonez, Freeman Beyond the Wall, Libertarian Institute, and, of course, co-producer of The Monopoly on Violence. Please go ahead and make sure you support The Monopoly on Violence documentary. I will include the link in the show notes, and guys, it is a fantastic watch, so please make sure you go out of your way and share that documentary with some uh, some folks who definitely need to see it. So, uh, looking ahead here to Friday, what do we have coming up? Ian Dunt, Ian Dunt. From politics.co.uk, the largest political website over in the United Kingdom with over 150,000 visitors per day. So, uh, Ian joins the show to discuss his new book, How to Be a Liberal. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, a liberal? What? Brian, it's the Brian Nichols Show on the We Are Libertarians Network, guys. Liberal in the classical sense, yes. Uh, Ian takes a very overtly nonpartisan, and actually, it goes back to just the fundamentals of liberty, uh, individual liberty, uh, and focusing on how to really be liberal in a uh, 21st century age. A different take than you probably hear uh, traditionally on The Brian Nichols Show, but definitely a welcome take indeed. So, uh, you guys, you know the drill. Tag me, social media, at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Parlor, and yes, Minds.com. Please go ahead and follow me there at B Nichols Liberty. And if you haven't yet, five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. That would be fantastic. And make sure you take a screenshot of that review and email it to me, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com, and you'll be entered into our Ebels giveaway. Guys, a fantastic opportunity to win some awesome product. Ebels is a fantastic sponsor. I cannot recommend them enough. So make sure you take that screenshot of your five-star rating and review and send it over to Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. All right, and before I wrap up today, I want to give a special shout out, and that is to the awesome team behind The Brian Nichols Show. I have Chris Long, who's helping us with PR, reaching out, getting uh, not only some awesome guests here on The Brian Nichols Show, but also getting me on some awesome podcasts. Uh, And then also thanks to our amazing man, Corey Dunn, executive producer and marketer extraordinaire behind the scenes, uh, helping The Brian Nichols Show reach new audiences. Uh, And guys, there's a lot behind the scenes to look forward to as we move forward into 2021. So if you have not had the chance yet, to hit subscribe. Please go ahead and hit subscribe in your favorite podcast catcher. There's so much coming down the pike here at The Brian Nichols Show, and I would not be able to do it without my amazing team and, of course, you guys, the amazing audience here on The Brian Nichols Show. So with that being said, guys, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Pete Quinonez. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.